Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not, to tell you the truth. And this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter than traditional shampoo. And unlike conditioners, it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy. Like, you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McIlroy had it once too, where it's just like a, a mop on your head. You don't want that. And if you use modern mammals, that's not going to happen. It's designed to make your hair feel thicker. And my hair at the moment feels so thick, you can't even pull it out. Plus, the products are easy to rinse out, so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down. So, Go to ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, Houston Open, DraftKings picks, and preview. If you hit the time codes, you can jump to all the areas that you want to for the show, including the odds and maybe some early bets towards the end of the show. But if you're here right now, there's something you can do to win some cash. Smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me your single one favorite play in the $7,000 range this week. Just one. That's all I want to hear about. You're a draw for 20 DK bucks. You can also get into a draw for 20 DK bucks by leaving an audio review. I know a lot of you listen. I see the numbers out there. And if I want to get up on the iTunes charts and all of the podcast charts, I need some reviews. So if you've never done it, take the 30 seconds and maybe you can get into the, well, you will be in the draw for 20 DK bucks and maybe you'll win 20 DK bucks out of it. Five-star review after you subscribe to the audio podcast. DraftKings handle, something nice about the show. It's fucking that easy. So please help out the show, leave the review, and uh, we'll be good to go. Joining me on the show this week, he was live on the scene in Vegas last weekend from the Rick Run Good YouTube channel and Rick Run Good in general. It's Rick Amon. What's going on, man? Hey, Pat. Yeah, uh, in the flesh at Shriners. Pretty cool to see those guys up close. Uh, Anything that you want to reveal from the week? Like, uh, is it a good tournament to go to? First of all, Pat, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but I will let you know. Um, I mean, I was there Thursday morning and there was nobody there. I had the course to myself. They have some really, there's like this little secret spot on 18 where you can actually walk down behind the grandstands. You're like standing basically in the back bunker on 18 and no one knows it's there. So that's the little hint from uh, if you're going to go check out the Shriners. Uh, what'd you do in terms of groupings? Did you target one player? Did you target a group where you're like, fuck it, I'm just going to walk around the course. Yeah, I, I just walked backwards for for the morning wave. Uh, Brooks Brooks's group was out there with you know and Tony and and Phil and the few hundred people that were out on the course were all following them. Uh, any other group, I basically had to myself. Um, and then once the second wave got going, I followed uh, Morikawa, Wolf, and Neiman for a couple holes, and then just kind of did the same thing. So I tried to see as many guys as I could. Did anything stand out to you? Is like, wow, that's really weird. Like when I was at the 3M 
earlier this year, like Satashi Kadaira had his own like photographers around with him. Like he had this little mini group and his caddy was like pounding cigs the entire time. And like no one was following this group except for like four cameramen. It was really bizarre. Same thing. Those, those Asian guys, um, I forget who I was following. I was playing somebody, I was following uh, Scott Stallings cause I had him in my core and he was playing with, oh man, a CT pan or something. And, and yeah, just like five photographers, nobody else on the course. And everyone's just, you know, throwing lips and, uh, and doing some, some dip out there. That was the, the big takeaway that everybody's got some chewing. All right, well, let's get to the course this week. Houston back on the schedule following its absence from last season. So last played here in 2018 when Ian Polta beat Bo Hosla in a playoff to get into the Masters. This used to be the week before the Masters. Then it still doesn't have a title sponsor. So it's been shipped off to the swing season. So we have plenty of data on the course, but we are dealing with a, it was usually a weak field to begin with being the week before the masters, but now uh, it's horrible. Uh, This is truly probably the worst field that we'll see all year. And that includes some of the crossover events for the WGC, but it is the GC, the golf club of Houston. It's a longer ish course. It's a par 72 over 7,400 yards. Um, bent grass greens, uh, all you can get a few Eagles on the par fives, but shockingly enough, like even when you go back and look at some of the former champions, whether it be DA points or whether it be Jim Herman or even Russell Henley, you don't need to be able to get to the par fives in two. That's going to be a lot tougher. Almost like how Zach Johnson won the masters that year, just never going for it in two. I would say of all, I wouldn't say, I guess of all the courses, but definitely a top three course in going for it percentage and Eagle rate probably means a whole lot less this week than it does most weeks. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is interesting. We've seen, I, I think this is a very strategic course, especially off the tee. We've, we've heard a lot of guys say, you know, you have to dial it back. You have to hit three woods. You have to kind of be able to shape shots uh, in different directions. This, I think this is actually going to challenge a lot of these guys off the tee. Um, when I run my key stat model, like strokes gained off the tee, kind of broke it. There's only two courses on tour where uh, it off the tee is more important. So I think that's what I'm going to be leading on this week. Yeah, did it have any sort of lean towards bomber versus accuracy guy? Because we've seen accuracy guys actually do a little bit better here, except for that one year JB Holmes stormed everyone. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty it's pretty equal here. I don't know if you hear my dog barking in the back, but it's uh, bombers do not have that big of an advantage here. Um, I actually think that or I don't think the the model pumped out good drive percentage, which makes a lot of sense because that kind of takes into account uh, whether you've hit the fairway in the right spot and whether you can get uh, to the green in two or, you know, if you can hit the hit the green from that drive. So um, there was no significant advantage for bombers necessarily. So when we look at it this week, the only other thing I wanted to play with in terms of correlation is just based on success of this course, because it can get really windy uh, in Houston. So I checked the weather report definitely on Wednesday before completing all of your lineups or even making head to head bets in case you find someone in a softer wave versus someone in a more difficult wave and you want to play the angles that way. But even lumping all the Texas courses together to see who just plays well in the Lone Star State. But the other two courses that just in my mind, when I think about crossover leaderboards, who's played well here over the years, I would lean towards the Sony Open and the OHL guy because those two correlate substantially i think this one falls into that bucket as well 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think your point, especially in, in Texas, when we get down here, the weather might change six or seven times before lock. And uh, when I checked it, you know, there's a chance of, of thunderstorms almost uh, every hour throughout the day. So I'll be keeping a close eye on it if we can get a little bit of predictiveness. But yeah, the true, the true defense out here is certainly going to be wind. All right, let's jump in to the 10K range on DraftKings. And like I said, it's not uh, the greatest field in the world, yet for whatever reason, Henrik Stenson, who constantly plays this tournament, is going to be in Houston, and he is properly priced at $11,400. becomes a bit trickier once you see the bottom end of everything to squeeze some of these guys in. The rest of the 10,000 guys, Champ, Harmon, Henley, and Berger. Henley has five straight top tens at this course, including a win. Although he's been kind of, I don't want to say garbage recently, because he's actually churned out some decent performances, but it's been a lot of putting related, less ball striking from what I would like to see. So that it, that worries me a little bit. At least last week at Shriners, he was plus 7.1 strokes gained on approach, lost across the board elsewhere, but he's been kind of hit or miss on everything recently. So do you have a feel for any of these guys? Because the stats tell me Brian Harmon's the best of these guys, but I refuse to believe that. I hate all of these guys. I mean, I don't hate them all, but this is, I don't want to pay $10,000, $10,008 for Cam Champ. I don't want to pay $10,400 for Daniel Berger. This is just a, a real, you know, shit show up here at the top of the, at the top of the board. Um, I, I do kind of like Russ Henley and, and I don't always say that because I hate we you and I have talked about this where I hate paying that price only because of the tournament history, which is something I didn't want to do a couple weeks ago with Ryan Moore, but Russ Henley, you're right. I mean, he was third in the field in strokes gained approach last week. Uh, if you go back and look at his lead in form, to this event now obviously it's a different time of year but he has come into the houston open like it, he's come in with like five straight missed cuts and he's top 10 it. he's come in uh with a win a couple starts before like it doesn't matter what his lead in form has been over this really re- impressive stretch of tournament history he's been able to find success here and hey he showed a little showed a little something last week with the irons i i, I would probably go there but i don't i don't know if i'm thrilled to play any of these guys pat Uh, Henley over the past 36 rounds. And of course you can always use fantasynational.com to get all your stats, all your modeling, all your tools, everything that you need to get yourself ahead of the game. And it's especially important for weeks like this. These are my favorite weeks to tell you the truth. And I know the cut line rules have really prevented a lot of us from having six of six lineups, uh, especially last week where I just needed one Rick of Shez, Shez Neiman. And who was the other bum? Grio. I'll miss the cut on the number. Just one of them gets through. And I'm looking no at path. like 25% six of sixes. I'm gliding in. Fortunately, because of Fantasy National, I was able to make up a lot of the cash with weekend golf. I had a really good weekend team. Thanks, Bryson. Uh, you can always come through when you're completely out of it and just storm everything. Mark Hubbard as well was someone who the stats spit out be like, all right, let's go with Mark Hubbard. Let's see how this works out. Uh, and it did. So Henley is first in proximity over the past 36 rounds from 150 to 175 yards. Ninth from 175 to 200. He's the best player in the field over those over that time frame from the 350 to 400 yard par fours, which there are three of on the course this week. And he's fourth in opportunities gained. So I'm kind of with you. The only guy that is equivalent to him from the top end, of course, Stenson's going to get his lean because of his world ranking just how good he normally is but it is brian Harmon. like i think that's the decision you have to make i know Berger has a good course history here and i just don't see anyone owning champ at that price to be perfectly honest with you yeah i'm actually oh man i mean i might be a glutton for punishment but if you really wanted to go get 
Cam tra- Champ at 10-8. I mean, he's, he's, he's one week off a win or two weeks removed from a win. He has a little bit of a hangover. He goes out and misses the cut. But if I, you know, like, it's hard for me to say how important I think strokes gained off the tee is going to be this week and then not go try to get the guy who's absolutely elite there. Now, the rest of his game's kind of crappy. Um, but even like, even Stenson, like last year was the first year since 2019 that he did not gain strokes off the tee. I mean, he still has that elite uh approach game especially from from the types of of ranges that we expect them to hit their second shots this week so like i'm just cost i'm so i'm so cautiously optimistic on on henrik stenson and the rest of these guys are kind of scrubs like i i I think i might just start in the nine k's it's it's pretty ugly well if that's the case then if we go into the nine k's and you want to target strokes gained off the tee how can you not use mr i don't know what i'm doing on the weekend scotty scheffler Okay, so I was going to cut you off there when you were talking about your weekend lineups because I know you did not have Scotty Scheffler in it, who has now punted away for whatever reason Saturday and Sunday of like every start this year. It's unbelievable. He's like a completely different player, um, which could be, could just be a coincidence. But this kid is is clearly a stud. He's he's gonna find a way to win. I'm just a little bit concerned about what we've seen out of him on the weekends, but maybe it's just noise, Pat. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a coincidence that he's falling apart on, on Saturday and Sunday. And, and Hey, he's back in Texas. So that's always a good thing for him. I would think. That's true. And, and, you know, he's one of these guys where we have such a small sample of data and the, the sample that we have is still so good. Even with the kind of uh, the weekends that he's had, he's, he's a legit stud. Um, you know, the, his world ranking was great. Even before he got his, his card at the beginning of the year, he was already like in the top 100. Um, he's much better than, the vast majority of this field. So if we look at strokes gained off the tee from just the swing season events so far, all four of them, the top 10 come out as Cameron Champ, number one, Henry Higgs, number two, who looks like world's biggest party animal after seeing him. Oh. Like he just looks like a great time. He looks like the a slightly younger Pat Perez. Yeah, he's he's like you uh, go hang out with that guy in Vegas and you're going to spend, you know, a month there one night or something like that. He's he looks like a hell of a time. So Champ, Higgs, Harris, English, Robbie Shelton, Martin Laird are the top five. Then it's Berger, Zach Shucker, Scotty Scheffler, Munoz, Jason Duffner. And then we're looking at Boo Weekly, Doc Redman, Carlos Ortiz, Chris Baker and Matt Jones, former winner of this event. I was going to say Matt Jones is kind of interesting. He, he withdrew uh, two weeks ago with that back injury, but completed all four rounds. What he finished last week, 28th or something like that. Uh, past winner here, good ball striker. He would be someone that, that interests me for sure. So of the $9,000 guys, if it's not Scheffler, who I'm going to be using, who else catches your eye? Or would you, like, I, we just kind of glossed over Berger of the very top end guys. He is yeah. gaining a bunch of strokes off the tee. That's where he's doing his damage. Yeah, uh, fifth fifth and strokes gained off the tee last week. Um, he's got really good results here in Houston, where he's rattled off you know four straight uh, top twenty fives, and and two of them are top tens. Um, he's got six straight cuts made, which I was trying to find the last time he made six straight cuts, and it I would just kept scrolling, 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 trying to find where that was. But um, yeah, nine nine K is interesting. I, I don't think I'll go back to Denny McCarthy, who rode like nine strokes uh, putting last week to his to his top ten. Uh, but even someone like like here's a name that. Like, what about Keegan? If we're talking about ball strikers, we're talking about off the tee, we're talking about approach, this should be the type of setup that that fits him. He's He hasn't been good. He's, he's just floundering around in like the 50s and 60s of, of every tournament. But shouldn't this be a place, especially with how bad this field is, that Keegan is interesting? I just worry that so far at the Greenbrier and the Shriners, he's made the cut both times and he's been like actively bad off the tee and with his approaches, which is just so atypical of him. 
Yeah. If, you, if you're not going to get that part of it, you certainly are not going to expect him to make it up anywhere else. So I, I guess, I guess you're right. I mean, I'm not that interested. I just, when I was going through the the key stats, I was like, Oh, okay. Ball strikers. Where's Keegan at? Oh, 9,000. That's, it's pretty cheap compared to some of these other guys in here. I'm, I'm not thrilled about it, but I'll, I'll probably work him into some, some sprinkles or if I cascade my core, he might, um, you know, he won't be a core play, but he'd be someone that I would try to fit in. Well, the one, I mean, I'm going to go to Kyle Stanley again this week after seeing a $2,300 jump in his price, but he actually started out the week being very abysmal off that he ended up losing strokes for it anyway, but he progressively got better every single day with the driver, which I really like to see. And he continues to just be hot with his irons. So uh, I, I think that he's reasonable at his price. The one I can't wrap my mind around is Munoz. He rates out really well. I just don't know what to do with him. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I I, I kind of tend to to stay away. It's it's. I don't want to say it's been just a flash in the in the pan for him. He's been you know great this swing season. I'm just a little worried about how he can consistently keep that going. I, I think is. I don't know if we have. I mean, it's very early in the week. We'll see what his ownership ends up being. But I yeah, I might just invest in Scheffler or try to pivot to someone like a Keegan or even Matt. Like I think Matt Jones would be a really fine play. Someone who's who's won here. Someone who played well well enough last week. And that uh, you know if he burns you two weeks. Ago, you're certainly not playing him and his ownership probably stays pretty low uh so the 8k range then uh it kicks off with harris english then sam Ryder, tringali bud collie luke list bronson burgoon bo hostler who lost in a playoff the last time it was contested here carlos ortiz aaron badley lanto griffin at 8,000, and my main man locking him in i might go 100 percent of lineups with jinju jang rick He's my okay. guy. I'm glad you said his name so that I did not have to. I'm playing really well. Did you know, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy who got kicked off like uh, one of the Asian tours for cheating, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like I like that, man. Go out and like try to find an edge for me somewhere. I'll roster a guy who's willing to, you know, cheat a little bit for me and gain a, gain a little bit. Oh, he came through big time. Raza and I gave him out on the show. We just looked at the ball striking numbers. We're like, this guy's pretty good. He was good on the Corn Ferry last season as well. I don't love the price, but I bet him at 75 to one. Uh, he's cast. Cash is seven to one top 20 ticket last week. I, I actually like him a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. I mean, he, he continues to to show up. The ball striking is exactly the skill set that we would like. So yeah, I think you could do much worse. And quite frankly, Pat, like I hate a lot of price tags. So if you hate that one, like that, that's okay. They're all pretty bad. Um, Cameron Tringali at 8,700 is a guy that, yeah, I've, I've got... I got big notes on him, man. I mean, just like seven top 25s in his last 11 starts. He's made all three cuts this year, and he absolutely figured it out off the tee. Uh, so you probably saw uh, PGA Tour, I think, was tweeting this out where he's the most improved strokes gain total uh, last year from the year previous. Strokes gain off the tee, and he had the biggest improvement in club head speed. It's translated to basically a full shot off the tee uh, from basically – you know, 18 months ago to the last six months of last season, he's basically a shot better off the tee. That's a skill set that we're going to expect this week. Um, he's, he's again, better than a lot of the, a lot of these guys in the field in the 8,700 bucks. I'm probably locking them a lot of places. Yeah. The only other guy in the 8k range along with Zing Zhu Zhang and Cameron Tringali is Harris English, who I don't like, but I continuously play and he keeps coming through for me. So let's go back to the well. Why not? Yeah, I hate him, but a really good start to the season and the fact that he didn't play last week and he's not sexy in like any stretch of the imagination. No one ever even knows Harris English is probably even a golfer. Um, like he, he's probably going to come in at such a low number. That's like, hey, this is a really reasonable price for a guy who's got, um, I think he already has like two top tens this swing season, right? He's been, he's been great. Yeah, third, sixth and a 33rd. Like that's, that's awesome. Uh, as someone who I said I would break up with if they didn't get a top 20 last week, and he did at T13, 
Theoretically, good Luke List should dominate this course, but good Luke List hasn't appeared since last year's PGA Championship. I know he had the T13, but somehow he gained over five strokes around the green because he chipped in three times. He made like five eagles, lost a bunch of strokes on approach, and gained over two strokes putting. Like, I... Listen, I love Luke List, but that is that is the performance you would need from him around and on the greens at his peak for him to win. And he's nowhere near his peak ball striking. Yeah, that's unsustainable. I was I always go through and I sort by T to green. I'm like, okay, which guys, you know, played well T to green, which guys lost strokes putting. Um, and as I was going through, I was like, oh wow, Luke List gained, he gained two strokes. Did he win this golf tournament? No, of course he didn't. Like he came in 13th. Um, the other guy who I always confuse, I always confuse Sam Burns and Sam Ryder, but I'm like this close to figuring it out. I'm like, I'm there now. Sam Ryder, while super volatile, uh, 10th in approaches last week, his approaches are all over the place. He did have a fifth place finish here at the Houston Open the last time he was played, 2018. He's a guy that I think I could target a little bit because he's, he's showing me a little flash there. I looked at him as well. I would kind of throw him into the Keegan bucket. Like you just don't know what you're going to get, which I guess is irrelevant at this point because it's golf and you don't know what you're going to get from anyone. But I always get him and Tyler Duncan confused and I don't know why, but Sam Ryder is significantly better than really crappy Tyler Duncan. Uh, The only other one from there, and I would maybe these two are actually probably a better similar type in the same bucket, but Bronson Burgoons gained on approach and eight consecutive tournaments. Um, he puts better on bent grass than anywhere else. He lost an extraordinary amount of strokes off the tee last week, minus 3.8. He's not usually that bad. Like over his like history, he's right around even, and even like long-term, he's actually a positive player off the tee. Yeah. Uh, his approach game has been awesome. And uh, I think that he was a little bit of a, of a DFS darling the first couple of weeks. I know that I kind of jumped on board a little bit late uh, around probably Sanderson or Safeway and he disappointed a little bit, but he's, he's a very good player in this type of, uh, in this type of season or this time of year, right? During the swing season where you get a lot of unknowns, someone who can hit their approaches in the way that Bronson Burgoon can. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a fairly, a fairly good one. Lonto at 8K. It's not just the putter anymore. Ball striking has been improved the last two weeks, and he has four consecutive top 20s to start the year. I love him. Nothing, nothing to argue about. I've, I've plugged him into uh, into cores. He's he's been great. He's got those top 20s. He's someone that um, yeah just just continues to put up put up numbers and DraftKings scoring. But he, his his ownership never ever moves, and he just is like he's never like my first guy into my lineup. He's never the last guy into my lineup. But when I'm like, oh, I've got like an extra, and I was eight thousand this week. But I'm like, oh, I got seven thousand. I need to spend like oh, Lonto. He's he's the guy. Uh, so after that into the seven K range again, if you want to get in the draw for twenty DK bucks, quick smash of the like button DraftKings handle in the comment section and your favorite play from this range. When we get to the end of this range, Rick, I'm going to ask you who your single favorite play is. Cause I have one, I think we'll try to figure that out. But Robbie Shelton, uh, you tweeted this out earlier has been vastly improved off the tee uh, after the beginning of the swing season. Uh, he comes in at $7,900. I'm going to play him and I'm going to go back to my Texas guy, party, Marty Laird, 7,800 bucks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, spoiler alert, Shelton is probably my guy here. I mean, he's, he's 7,900 bucks. Uh, I've got 15 measured tournaments on him. He lost strokes off the tee in the first eight of those tournaments. And since then he's gained the last seven, every single tournament. So I don't know if something flipped the switch for him. He's been really, really good off the tee, which is something I think that we're, that we're going to need. Uh, he's having a really good start to the swing season. He's another guy where, uh, you don't see his price really change all that much. Everyone's a little bit more expensive than they than they normally would because this is almost like a 
like when I looked at this field the first time, Pat, I thought it was the Monday qualifier field. It was actually the PG, like it was actually the event field. I was like, oh shit. Um, so like <laughs> compared to the field, he's, he's not as expensive as he probably should be. He's someone that um, I plug quite a bit. And then I don't know where else to go. I mean, Marty Laird's interesting. Um, we talked about Harry Higgs, who is uh, not only very good off the tee, he's also a pretty good uh, on approaches. So all in all, he makes up a pretty good ball striker. Uh, not a lot of data compared to some of the other guys, but this is a spot where I'm either going to go for you know recent form, someone like Richie Warinsky, who's having a good start to a swing season, or just find one strong skill set that I can back. Uh, how about a guy at $7,400 whose ball striking is somewhat returning, has had success in Texas in the past, multiple-time PGA Tour winner, Brendan Steele. Oh, man. I was wondering where you were going with that. And then I heard multi-time PGA. And I was like, don't say Brendan Steele. Don't say Brendan Steele. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I, I know he's been better recently, but I think that's still a pretty tough ask. I'd probably rather go to uh, Johnny Vegas. Right, he's a he's he's pretty good off the tee, pretty good on approaches. He combines ball striking for something like, you know, three quarters of a stroke per round. Um, he's someone that I would probably back before I before I backed Brendan Steele. He Steele might be on like the the no fly list for me. I don't know if I can ever get to him. I think I might try to inject a little bit of Steele. I like Vegas as well. He is first in opportunities gained over the past thirty six rounds, and we know that outside of the Shriners, where he miraculously lost a stroke off the tee for the previous like fifteen tournaments he had gained. So maybe that was just a little bit of an outlier. I don't know. Maybe get drank a bit too much in Vegas. Vegas and Vegas. It's always a tough go. Uh, the other guys from the bottom. I actually like the really like the bottom of this tier of the 7,000. So I have Matt Every, who I like, Doc Redman, who I really like a lot, Mark yeah. Hubba Hubbard, 7,100 bucks. He's like turning into one of my new guys. I like <laughs> Mark Hubbard. This guy's great on approaches. Just make a few putts, Mark, and we're going to be all good. And then Duffner at $7,000. Just make a few putts, man. Not even all of them. Just, just don't miss as many as you normally do. And you're right in this. Yeah, it's been so bad for him. Doc Doc Redman's really interesting. He's uh, gains nearly a stroke on approaches uh, per round. He's great off the tee. Uh, we've seen him compete in the biggest fields. So when you get to somewhere like this, you'd think you'd have a little bit of a leg up. Uh, I always double click. I'm always like, oh, what's Sepp Strzok up to? He's pretty good off the Missing tee cuts and on approaches. Is what Four he's up to. in a row. It's unbelievable. Like I cannot figure it out. He's so bad. Uh, but I like your I like your Mark Hubbard. Little uh, what'd you call him? Hubba Hubbard. That's uh, not only is it a good nickname. He's actually got the stats and the results to back it up. All right, so that's a real deep cut, the Hubba Hubbard. Um, I, I don't even know if I can say this on the show without it being edited out. But there was a YouTube video from a while ago, from like basically the beginning of YouTube that I remember got circulated around. And I think it may have been a fake, so it's okay. But it was about this weird couple that met on the internet in Texas, and one of them owned a miniature horse, and then they'd both have sex with the miniature horse, and that was like the bonding part of their relationship. It was really weird, but they referred to the sound that the donkey would make or the miniature horse would make as a hubba hubba, and it was the weirdest thing in the world. Wow, that is that is super deep. Yeah, okay. It's good to know the origin story of that so okay i will uh is that, i wonder if that that's video still got to be on the internet somewhere somewhere it's, it's not as <laughs> it's more hilarious than anything like it's not graphic or anything like that it's just because it's just them talking about it and they're so casual it's like it has to be a bit like it has to be <laughs> right yeah it's it's i hope it is that's good though okay good however, to know that however mark hubba hubbard why don't you go out and win this tournament at 7100 bucks I'd be fine with that. I'm not going to lie to you. So yeah, you I, I th do think my favorite in this range, now that we're at the end of it, is Doc Redmond, shockingly enough. He 
Bent is the one surface where he's not completely abysmal, so maybe he can just like lose a stroke on the greens this week instead of seven, and all of a sudden he's looking great. Yeah, I, I really like Doc. Um, he, he's probably second behind Robbie Shelton to me. Uh, it's probably Shelton, then then Doc, and then maybe someone like Johnny Vegas. But uh, all three of them, I, I'd, I'd pretty much be happy to play. I don't know how many I'll have to, depending on, on roster construction. But yeah, they open up a, a lot of opportunity, and um, I'm not too worried about any of them. So Harry Higgs, 13th off the tee over the past 36 rounds, second in par four scoring from 450 to 500 yards. And that's where all the hard holes are. The teeth of this course, unless you just randomly hit into the water, are in that range. So that's actually kind of interesting on Harry Higgs. He had a really good first round at the Shriners, then gagged it away. He's another one who stupidly missed the cut for me. But even if you look at like the key proximity ranges, 150 to 175, 175 to 200, he's top 20 over that time in both of those stats as well. So maybe it is a week to go back to Harry Higgs, but Brennan Steele's right there. Well, I'll tell you what on, on Higgs. I mean, he's, he's got four starts this year. He's gained, gained strokes off the tee in all of them. Last week was the first week he did not gain on approaches, and he lost like 3.6, which is a, a ton. Uh, then he's alternated. This is what I always love to do, Pat, the alternating. He's, uh, he gained strokes putting in his first start, then lost it, then gained them, then lost it. So he has to, by the rule of this alternating strategy that I have, he has to gain strokes putting this week. So he's probably going to win the golf tournament. All right, so star next to his name. <laughs> right right above them, they're like, do we go back to Andrew Landry, who's been a real mixed bag? You see it, and you see why people like him, and then you're like, oh, God, I rostered Andrew Landry. This is horrible. It's all God. going terrible. But then you have, like, Barragard and Tom Lewis right there, too, who, uh, by, like, but- actual, are these guys good? They are really good. Like like official world world golf rankings, those guys are a lot better than than the rest of them. Although Beauregard, I mean, I, I know he plays all over the place, and it's kind of hard to compare. But what I mean, what has he done since uh, since that match play where he kind of jumped onto everybody's everybody's radar? I know he's got a couple of top fifteen since then, but I I was perusing his results earlier, and I didn't think they were all that great. I think Tom Lewis is a bit of a better player. Um, but Andrew Landry is like, oh my God, he, he looks like the best golfer on the planet one or two rounds at a time. And then he immediately follows that up with being the worst golfer on the planet. It's unbelievably frustrating. I've kind of just relegated him to showdown situations because he, he can, he can uh, look so good for 18 holes at a time, but can't seem to put it together. So I, I don't know. I, I like Andrew Landry's skill set. I, I, I sprinkle him here and there, but I mostly use him in showdowns. Right, so six thousand dollar range. Uh, it kicks off the very. Actually, you can kick it off with. Let's see, Grayson's up there, who's been abysmal. Ryan Almail, Johnson Wagner, course history guy. He's at sixty nine hundred bucks. Then you have like Trahan, who's ball striking really well. Can't putt. The one I'm really interested in, like I'll probably go to the Gooch. I might go to Bo Hog, who's been okay. But the Gim Reaper, sixty eight hundred bucks. There's a Texas guy for you. He's not playing well, but like actual upside, he's quite good. Yeah, he is. Um, there's some names down here that are like, I don't even know how to how to put them into the the, um, the computer here. But DJ Trahan, you mentioned, was one that popped up for me because he is such a good ball striker and he can't putt. But I mean, I, I live on team no putt. That's basically everybody that I ever roster. Um, you mentioned earlier, Zach, is it Sucher, Sucher? I don't even know what his name is, but uh, really good off the tee, really good on approaches. Um, he's got two top 25s and the two starts that he's made this swing season, he's probably where I'd start plugging, plugging some of these in and open up some of that flexibility. If I want to go get someone over 10,000. Yeah, of course. He is the first star that I made down there. He rates out fifth in the statistical model over the past 36 rounds. 
Uh, I've been betting him top 20. He cashed one of them. And, you know, when you're Zach Sucker, uh, you're paying long odds. So that's good enough. So I like him as well. Uh, And just even for some more context, he's top 10 off the tee so far over the past 36 rounds. He's ninth on short par fours. He's fourth in long par fours. And he's not a great putter, but he's not like a disaster on the greens either, which that's good enough for me if you're going to ball strike him. Yeah, and these these uh, I don't remember these greens being that difficult. I thought I thought these were like super easy greens where every putt was straight. Maybe I'm confused. No, no, you they are. The- yeah, but the the weird thing is like it has the easiest one putt percentage inside ten feet of any course on tour. <laughs> However. Okay. Like, the guys that end up winning here, like, when Henley won, until we saw, like, nah this weekend, he gained, like, 13 strokes putting or something ludicrous. Like, that every single year, someone just pops off. Like, guess how Bo Hostler got into a playoff with Ian Poulter? He gained, I don't know, 176 strokes putting because he loses them all tee to green. Uh, it's going to take an elite putting performance to actually win this week, and that's just impossible to predict. Even going back and looking at the winners, you'd be like, oh, I'll just take the good putters. Well, J.B. Holmes has won here, so what does that tell you? Yeah, you can't do that. Um, there was someone else down here at six thousand. What about? Uh, I had a little note next to Scott Harrington. He's he he does the things okay that we would want him to. He gets off the tee, he hits his approach as well. I think he's made. Uh, yeah, he's got two top twenty fives already in the swing season. I, I I wouldn't be thrilled to play him, but I think you could do, you know, much worse compared to some of these other guys at sixty nine. I mean, the only thing I really know about Scott Harrington is I believe he won one of the playoff. Corn Ferry events, or he won the one right before that, or he was in contention or something. I remember just watching him to try to get yeah. his card. He puts better on bent right. than anywhere else. Yeah, he's gained ball striking in every one of the tournaments. Yeah, I can get on board with that. He seems fine. Star next to his name, 6900 bucks. If we go down to the very bottom, there's a guy down here. What the hell is his name? Braden Bailey plays okay. on the McKenzie Tour. Uh, he's a Baylor product, finance major. I looked into this guy. I was like, hey. yeah, you're deep in you're deep into the player profile. Who, who the <laughs> hell is this guy? He's the, he's the min. He's $6,000. And now normally, unless you're Chase Kepka and he went full Chase Kepka on the weekend, you completely stay away from these guys. But realistically, if you're a $6,000 player on this field, if they priced you at 7,300, you really wouldn't be able to tell the difference cuz everyone kind of reeks. But True. in his past four starts, win third, fourth, third. Now, I know those are mini tours or the McKenzie tour, and it's like the minor, it's like single A ball, but the sometimes guys contend and they break through, they win, no matter what tour you play on, winning is something that it seems like you need to learn. And he's been in contention, he ratcheted it up, he ended up getting his win, maybe you take a shot? I literally don't know anything about this guy, but I will endorse the fact that um, winning, no matter what tour you're on, is a, a skill set and an intangible that not everybody has. And, and, and we've seen it. Uh, it's like it's nice to see like Scotty Scheffler win on the Corn Ferry Tour. So we know like that that's inherent where you get in these super high pressure situations on Sunday and you have to uh, hit a shot or put pressure on somebody like you're able to do it. And I like, I, I do like to see guys that have, you know, raised the trophy on, on Sunday, they've put themselves in a position and they beat the other 140 golfers that they're, that they're playing against. There's something a little bit intangible about it. Uh, the only other two from the 6K range that I have like pure interest in, you might be able to go to James Hahn coming off a good week. He was coming off the injury, so maybe he's back and you're getting a discount on his price. Not for me. How about Campos? This is like the Rafael Campos Open. He used to T10 at the Puerto Rico Open to get himself into this tournament, and he's made the cut every oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot he would always parlay. I always forget this used to be right before the Masters, right? And he'd always just parlay that into like a top 10 here or something like that, right? Uh, that's interesting. I mean, do you ever... I, how often do you ever go back to some of these guys who have just won that? Like Jim Herman has won this tournament before. I, I don't personally care at all, but what do you think? 
Uh, not Herman for me and like no points for me. Campos in two starts at this event, seventh and 38th gained on approach both times. He gained almost 10 strokes putting the last time too. So he's got, he's got this place figured out. He's made two cuts in the swing season, 33rd at the Safeway, 61st at the Sanderson. I mean, could be playing worse. He's $6,500. Like, I mean, I'm, I'll do it. I'm in on that. And I, the, I also have a star next to the Gooch. I always have a star next to the Gooch. I actually, I, I followed him around at the Shriners. I had not, I had no idea what he looked like. And I still don't. He is like the most, unfor, he's like the most forgettable person on the face of the earth. You, you'll never know who Taylor Gooch is, but I do like his game. I actually play him quite a bit. Um, he's, a, he's a good ball striker, isn't he, Pat? Oh, he's just, he's up there in approaches almost every single week. Well, not almost every single week. If that was the case, he'd be doing a lot better uh, than he actually does. But historically over the past year, he's inside the top 25 in terms of strokes gained approach and where he is priced in this field. That is significantly better than the rest of them. Yeah. There's some really, there's some really bad uh, guys down here. I mean, like Tommy, two gloves, Tommy Ganey's in this field. I didn't even notice that. Min price. I'd rather take my guy, Brandon, ba- Braden Bailey, who I'm, I'm going to use him in two lineups, two out of 20 lineups. I'll use Braden Bailey. There you go. You'll have like 100 times leverage on the field. Cause it'll be like 0.1% out. Might have to bet him. As, might have to bet him as first round leader as well. It'll probably be like 300 to one. And if he's a Baylor guy, he's probably played here. Right. I mean, who knows? Where's uh, yeah, I don't know. Texas, I've, Texas is a pretty big state. I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be that. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have no idea where Baylor is it's definitely in texas i have no idea how close to houston it is it's it's in waco okay there we go again that could be eight hours or it could be eight minutes i have no idea yeah say when you're not from texas you you don't know the geography i know houston's down by the gulf because they got the oil and i've been to dallas and i've been to austin that's it though yeah that's and i'm a lot closer than you are and that's like the extent of my knowledge as well um if you factor in the past 50 rounds do you know who rates out third in this field in terms of overall stats out of any price range? Yeah, any price range. Oh, God. He's $6,300. Um, oh, that's a good hint. I will say it is... I know it's not Graham Dillette. It is Graham uh, Dillette. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, well, he had, he just had his first start since 2017. And before oh, that, true. he was striking the ball incredibly. Like, oh, if, that's true. If we got peak Graham Dillette in this field, he would be like the prototypical guy that you would take here. Okay, I got to Shriners Thursday morning at like, I got on site at like 9.30 or something like that. The first group I rolled up on was, uh, I think it was Kokrak, Dillette, or they were like right behind one another. I, an hour and a half into the tournament, maybe not even that, Graham Dillette was already like five or six over. And I was like, oh, well, I guess this is like, you know, not not his tournament. I know he's just coming back from injury, but like that's the lasting memory that I have of Graham Dillette over the last three years. He he actually like rallied back a little bit. Like his front nine, like his first nine holes. I don't know if he played the back or the front, but they were a disaster. Like he was actively yeah. horrible. But he started. He gained two strokes on approach in the second round. Yeah, he's just he's got, got to shake that rust off, man. He'll be he'll be good. I I hope that he is. I hope that he gets back to to the Graham Dillette that we that we remember. I know he had those issues with like the yips and stuff too. Right. But I, I hope we, uh, I hope he's all, all past that. Yeah. He, uh, he lost 3.4 strokes around the green in the second round. That's not good. No, that is not, especially cause we know he's had pitching issues in the past. Yeah. At, at least at this tournament, it's, uh, we always kind of say this, like if you have to rely on your strokes gained around the green, then, you know, it means you're not hitting greens and regulation and that's no good. It's especially important at this course because, like, even when you look at like the top ten finishers on average, like they're not gaining a bunch of strokes around the green because they never miss the green. 
Around the green ranked uh, 49th out of 50 courses when I run the regression model. So it is only a more important at the golf club of Houston than one other course on the recent PGA tour road. It's basically useless is the way that the model spit it out. What, uh, what was that tournament? I knew you were going to ask me that. I don't have it in front of me. I'd have to go, I'd have to go pull up another, another sheet, but I'm only looking at the Houston open, but there's, there's one I'll tweet it out. I'll send it to you. All right, cool. Uh, last thing. Let's talk about the odds then for the tournament. I've made a few bets so far. Scotty Scheffler. I have at 30 to one. I have. Cameron Tringali with an each way to the top five at 50 to one. I have Zhang Zhang with a top five each way at 75 to one. And I have Doc Redman with the top five each way at 100 to one. I think that's going to be my card this week. I, I, I kind of like it. How, I mean, are you like what, what scale from one to 10? How worried are you about Scotty Scheffler on weekends? Oh, very. But <laughs> listen, if you're going to give me 30 to one in this field, yeah, like, he only has to win one in 29, one every 29 times for it to be profitable. And he was like 30 or 33 to one, like the last couple of weeks. And this is a, a, a much worse field than, than any of those. So that one I'm on, I actually think it's dropped since then. I'm, I'm seeing it closer to like 22 or wherever I can get it here. Um, I I'm kind of interested in Harris English 40 to one seems a little long. I don't know if he can actually win it or not. I, I really don't like this field, but um, I'll probably fire a few, few darts on on Robbie Shelton or uh, Matt Jones, someone like that to see if they can, you know, uh, I'll probably put him in like top five, top 10 bets. I haven't filled out my card to this point. Braden Bailey, 750 to one. Oh, that's a good number. Maybe like top 20, he's going to pay like 30 to one or something. I might have to hit that one up. I actually do like the uh, Shucker, Suture, whatever the hell we're pronouncing his name, his top 20. I'll probably play that again this week. Yeah, he uh, he continues to pop up for me. Uh, Lanto, well, Lanto's four, Luke List fifty to one, Johnny Vegas sixty six to one. I out of all those guys, I like I prefer Vegas to tell you the truth, but I don't think I would end up touching it. Like I'm just thinking about top twenty market because the odds aren't out for top twenty yet. But yeah. Suker, uh, Campos, a top twenty probably pays like twelve to one, maybe ten to one. So you'd probably get like eight to one for Suture. You'd get. 10 to one for Campos. You probably get like 22 to one for that other loser. I talked about, uh, Braden, whatever the hell his name is Bailey. <laughs> Braden Bailey goes to Baylor. That's probably why he chose it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love getting these guys in those top 20 bets. And like, even, even Denny McCarthy, I had top 10 last week. He goes on, holds on to that for me. Like th- those are beautiful because these guys are never, you know, probably never going to win golf tournaments, but cashing in with them on these, you know, top twenties is still, Still a good bet. It's like it's like betting Brooks uh, to win last week. Was he eight to one and missed the cut? Yeah, I actually like the the Zhang top twenty I hit was better odds than Brooks's outright win bet. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's beauty. So the top twenty odds are probably the softest of the markets in terms yeah. of golf betting. But you don't get the two hundred and fifty to one. You have to settle for like eight to one, which if it was football would be fantastic. Uh, and like you'd pound, oh my god, I'm getting a half point advantage on this spread. Oh, I'm going to smash this. Then you lose when you could just you know take one eighth of that money and bet it on a top twenty in golf, which has a far higher chance of not necessarily happening. But for eight to one, like come on. Yeah. Let me tell you, Oh, I had, uh, everyone loves to hear like bad beat stories. Right. So I'll tell one of these. Um, I had, there was a, the book had it mispriced for, uh, Pat Perez last week and his three ball for round one, instead of being plus 200, he was plus 2000. So I bet that against Ryan Palmer and Nate Lashley. And of course they honored it and he still lost it. And he won every other, I mean, Pat Perez finished third 
would have beat those scrubs any other round except for the first round and it doesn't pay out my uh plus two thousand. I betcha if you had won that they would have canceled the bet. I also assumed that too. Someone was like, oh, you shouldn't have tweeted that out. I was like, I don't think this is going to happen one way or another. But yeah, I, I think that if I would have won it, they would have figured that one out. Last thing before we get out of here, I want to briefly chat about it. Their news came out this morning from NBC and the PGA Tour that at the Players' Championship in 2020, you will be able to see every single shot of any player you choose, Rick. It's what we've been asking for. Right. I mean, it's uh, I'm shocked it's kind of taken this long. There is obviously a thirst for this. There are people I mean, I think the natural progression is you show how awesome this is going to be where I can choose Chase Seifert or whatever scrub I want to watch at 740 on Thursday morning and follow him around because I've got a a rooting interest into him. And then this uh, this goes into, okay, we got more. We've got more tournaments that are doing this. Oh, now you want to charge for this. It's part of PGA Tour. It's the upgraded package. Like it's a win, win, win for everybody. I'm real. I hope they don't screw it up pat i hope it works out well hopefully now with the partnership with DraftKings, and maybe pat mayo can get his greedy little hands in there uh, little there hands go. i don't have like jared goff or beck what the hell was his name he also had like carny hands my hands are slightly bigger than that but not huge by any means so i can really dig in there i'd be good at like i mean i wouldn't be a good electrician because i have absolutely no use in the trades whatsoever but uh, i feel like i have the right hand size for it. either way if we can get DraftKings to do some sort of partnership with NBC and the PGA Tour that you can insert your lineups or insert your core of golfers, and then you can get like the eight boxes going at one time if you really want to, to follow your preferred eight golfers around, that it's not like you have to watch this one, then open up a new window and watch this one, that if they can just do it sort of like NFL ticket, direct TV style, where you can like quad box your screen, like that is next level. That is serious business. I actually, I kind of already do that. Well, not with the video, but with the shot link, right? I'll open up eight windows and I'll have my eight guys. And I'm sure there's, I'm sure someone out there, someone listening has a better way for me to do this where I I can like, do you? Yeah. You got to go to the fantasy national secret room. That's not publicized. Oh, see, this is, see, I, I, people have to let me know what the secrets are. I don't know any of the secrets. I see. I, I rarely give it out. I'll, I'll email you. A lot of the viewers out there, they've picked it up in the past, but it's a secret room. It's, nice. it's, it's just, it's, it's there. It's always been there, but you can go check it out. It's just hard to find. It's like an Easter egg for the site. See, I knew people out there were doing this way better than I was, where you just, I've got, you know, all my uh, shot link information up there and I'm just like scanning through, oh, he's about to hit his next shot. Oh, he's about to do this. And I can track my guys that way. But yeah, there's, uh, I bet you, okay, so that exists. I bet you there's other ways too. Someone email me or someone tweet me all the cool ways that you follow along with your golfers. So if you've watched this far into the show, then obviously you've made it through like miniature horse sex and just (laughs) learned about the secret room and everything like that. If... The next key to this, besides getting like the boxes for everything at the Players' Championship, you need to petition to the PGA and just bring it up. I mean, just tweet at the PGA Tour. You can include me in the tweet because that would be very nice. Include DraftKings in the tweet that not only do you want to be able to see the player by player, which we're going to get for the Players' Championship, you want potentially Rick and I, and maybe we'll throw Feinberg into that mix too, that will have one dedicated feed that will be Golf Red Zone for that day. How awesome would that be? I've got goosebumps. Yeah, that is literally the dream come true. Let's do it. We'll fire it up and we will uh, we'll rock it out. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so we'll, we'll basically deem what's important to the viewers who are playing on DraftKings or making their bets. Right. And it's not hard to do. All you need to do is go to the tournament, sort by ownership percentage, and figure yep. out who people are sweating. We'll actually do a real cut line. We'll have all the viz. It will be amazing. 
Yeah, right. Who are the highest owned golfers just inside or just outside the cut? Let's go to them. Let's see how everyone's going to cry when so when uh, Gary Woodland misses this putt on 18. I've, I've been there. Yeah, it'd be absolutely awesome. And we can do a better job of predicting the cut line than anything that I see on uh, on every telecast, which is absolutely brutal. Yeah, they were actually better at it at the Shriners this week. I, I, was, okay. I was only listening to it on the radio and they were like, because it was locked in at like minus three for the longest time, but it was very clearly not staying at minus three. Right. And one of the commentators was just like, I can see this getting to minus five based on the way this is playing. And the other guys were like, what are you talking about? It's minus three. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, just, just wait for it to come out. And what happened? Yeah. It ended up at minus five. Right. The fact that there's still guys on the course and that they're playing all the easy, all the easy holes. It's like just a little math problem you have to figure out. <laughs> yeah. It's not super duper difficult. Like it can come down to one or two guys. Then it's a bit different. Like it can just be a coin flip once it gets to that point, but it was very clearly not staying at minus three. I'm always in the dilemma where it's like, oh, okay, if this one guy makes it, it's going to knock out like these two or three other guys. So now I'm like actively rooting again. Like that's my favorite type of sweat, trying to figure out which side of this I actually want to root for. Yeah. Well, sometimes like last week I was good <clears throat> sacrificing my two guys to the cut line. And this has happened a few times where, and it always works in reverse too. It's like, listen, I'll sacrifice these two guys if I can just get through. Cause I'll have so many six of sixes. If this guy gets through and it takes out all this chalk at the number below, that guy never ends up doing it. He just makes the cut bigger. No, it never works. It never works. <laughs> Terrible. All right, Rick, tell everyone what you got on the go. I, I get a lot of notifications from your podcast on my iTunes feed these days. You got a lot on the go. That's a good sign. I'm glad that notification works. Yeah. Um, just trying to do as, as much content as possible. DFS added um, some showdown tools. So trying to do some more showdown content, just really getting my hands to your point, Pat, uh, in it deep as much as possible. And it's, you know, at Rick Rungood YouTube channel, at Rick Rungood on Twitter. It's, it's all there. I'll shoot it out. All right. You can follow me at the PME on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I told you about the giveaways. I told you about uh, the how much like sub subscribing and rating on iTunes really does help, especially if you're in Germany. I'm moving up the charts in Germany. I'm number three, Rick, that if you're German out there and watching, like seriously, go leave an iTunes review. Even like if three of you do it, I might get pushed to number one in fantasy sports. And, you know, I'd like to hang that. Pat Mayo, just like David Hasselhoff, big in Germany. It would be. Wow. You should start like really, you know, like pandering to that. Like you could have like the Das boots on the table you could like take sips out of it all that you could really be like the guy in germany pat i maybe it's just my love for martin keimer over the years i don't know <laughs> that but, might do it yeah, yeah it could be it maybe i mean i'm not a big like marcel seam type guy but you know i'll get back on martin keimer once his game starts to ramp back into form we'll end up seeing i, I know that every time that raza's on he hypes up maximilian kaifa who is I don't even know if he's German or not, but he's not good because every time I use him, he misses the cut by 20 strokes. Anyway, that will do it for the Pat Mayo experience. If you're looking for my betting cheat sheet, it'll be up on my Facebook page on Wednesday. If you're looking for the DraftKings cheat sheet, it'll be up on DKPlaybook.com on Tuesday afternoon. And that'll do it. Good luck at the Houston Open trying to figure out the scrub field. If you become a member of Fantasy National, you might have an easier time. So go do that now, all right? Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.